You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Hallelujah! I think that's what David said when he conquered Goliath. That's where we are today. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Happy Mother's Day. I said happy Mother's Day. Mother, that means someone gave me a hug in a fellowship and they said, well, it's not, you're not a mom. I said, yeah, but I'm fired up that my mom had me right there. And, and so there's an excitement for the moms right there. Hopefully you're excited about Mother's Day. Uh, of course, our mothers are, are, are incredible, incredible heroes. And my mother was a hero to me. Uh, I believe God taught me a lot of things through my mother. Hopefully you believe God is teaching you things and has taught you a lot of things through your mother. Today we're going to have a great service because, uh, you know, we're going to hear one of my favorite mums in the church. Our sister Coral is going to be leading us into communion right there, sharing what the cross means to her. And uh, as I think about my mom and I think about all the things she taught me, uh, I think that uh, my, my mom taught me religion. She would say to me, you better pray that that stain comes out of that carpet right there. <laughs> my, my, my mom taught me all because he taught me about logic. Mom would say... Because I said so, that's why. <laughs> my mother taught me about irony. You keep crying and I'm gonna give you something to cry about. <laughs> my mother taught me about stamina and perseverance. She would say, you're gonna sit there until all that spinach and all those vegetables are gone. I'd sit there for a long time. My mother taught me about hypocrisy. She'd say, if I told you once, if I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate, Michael. <laughs> my mother taught me about weather. This room looks like a tornado hit it. She taught me that. My mother taught me about, dare we say, medical science. She'd say, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to be stuck like that way forever. <laughs> but most importantly, my, my mother taught me that faith in God can overcome any giant in your life. On a serious note, that, that's, that's, that's one of the lessons my mother taught me. That if you put your faith in God, you can overcome any giant in your life. For all the sports fans out there rooting for Chelsea, of course, they got problems with Southampton today. So I know they're going to be praying. And for all of those rooting for Man United, I know they're uh, rooting that Man United overtakes Tottenham right there. And... <laughs> Yet, yet we know, uh, we're, we're praying, uh, we're excited, I'm excited at least, because we have, dare we say, brothers and, and, and a, a sister uh, that are coming down. Of course, Stewart works for Man United Football Club, uh, and he's coming down. They'll be in town this afternoon, him and his wife. Uh, of course, we'll get time with them tonight, and it'll be a great time. They're going to just really, uh, they're, they're really wrestling with moving to London to be a part of the church right here. Uh, if you are uh, with us, uh, for the first time, we've been studying out the book of 1 Samuel, and we've learned some incredible lessons through 1 Samuel. Of course, we ended in chapter 16 last week where God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at what? He looks at the heart. And, of course, God chooses David, and, and he chooses David because of David's heart. And David gets anointed by God. He was a young man when he gets anointed by God. 
And then we come to the point where, where, where David gets ready to, to take on, dare we say, one of Israel's greatest challenges, Goliath. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. And yet there's so many shadows of Jesus in David. In fact, if you go through the Old Testament, you'll see there are many shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament. Then you get to the New Testament, you get the real thing. After all, a shadow is not the complete picture. It's just a shadow of the things that are to come. And so you see the shadow in the Old Testament. You see the real deal when you get to Jesus Christ. And of course, when you go through this, this, this story, David is called, uh, well, David's name means beloved. And yet Jesus is called God's beloved. David, of course, in this account, as we dig into it, he feeds his father's sheep in Bethlehem. And of course, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. David arrives on the battlefront and he serves Israel's army bread. And of course, Jesus arrives here on earth, the battlefront as a servant. And of course, he's the bread of life. He is the bread of life. David understood that, 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 that God was greater. And of course, when we get into it, we understand that Goliath tempted Israel for 40 days and Satan tempted Jesus for 40 days. And Jesus overcame. David's father, Jesse, was looking for someone to send to the army and, and he found David. And God is still looking for someone to send. And the question we got to ask is, has he found you? Has he found you? David, of course, only in this account needed one stone to take out Goliath. And yet God in the New Testament only needed one stone. The stone, the builders rejected Jesus Christ to overcome the devil. And so you see the full picture there. And of course, David had five other stones. I think, he had, I think David was wondering if there were five other brothers right there. <laughs> I just want to make sure Goliath is by himself. Let's dig into the account. And of course, the title of the lesson today is Faith in God Conquers Giants. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephnes Damnin, between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, and the Israelites, God's people, another, with the valley between them. You know, this is so powerful. Because it just says you got God's people on one side and then you got the people that are not of God on the other side. And we understand that we, we are in a battle of good and evil. The people of God and the people that are not of God. And we know that there's a great valley, a great chasm that's been fixed by God that separates those who are saved from those who are lost. Of course, we see that in Luke chapter 16 where he says there's a great chasm that has been fixed by God. And yet you see the shadow here. You see the chasm between God's people and the people that are not of God. The Philistines. Of course, the word Philistine, uh, when you study it out, it actually means Palestine. And, and so you, you, you get some insight there. In verse 4, it says a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. 
This guy was bigger than Michael Hart. May challenge your faith to believe that, but he was. He was bigger than him. It says he had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's 125 pounds for the Americans, nine stone for everybody else. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. A bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear was like the shaft. His spear, was, his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And its iron point weighed 600 shekels, 15 pounds or about one stone. His shield bearer went ahead of him. You know, it's interesting. You got this massive guy who's got a shield bearer. He doesn't even need a, what does he need a shield bearer for? He's got a shield bearer, and, and, and you got this massive guy. And it says in verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? I put before you that Goliath, Satan, is still shouting the same thing. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Why do you come to church? Why do you read your Bible? After all, it was written by men. You know, every time I look at biographies, they kind of shade the story to make them sound pretty awesome. But when you look in the Bible, there's no shading of the story. It tells the good, the bad. And if a man wrote the Bible, he would not put the fact that he murdered someone in there. And yet that was what David did. And what made David awesome was that he was a man after God's own heart. He confessed his sins, got the forgiveness of God, and continue to be that man of God. This, the Bible is not written by man. And yet you hear it now. Why, 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 do you, why do you line up for battle? Why submit to a husband? Mother. Why do that? Moms are like, yeah, it's a battle. <laughs> why do you line up? Why, why come to church? Why read the Bible? Why? What's the point? And yet, we understand the Bible, it's, it, the Bible are, these are the very words of God. If what I say to you today is from me, blow it away like shaft. But if it's in the scriptures, these are the very words of God speaking to you today. And so David un understood these things as we kind of transition, and, and Goliath is shouting his normal shout. Why do you line up for battle? Our first point is simple. Faithless people get frozen by fear. Faithless people get completely frozen by fear. I don't know if you got any movie buffs that are out there or any individuals who like, like movies. I, I, I like movies. And I, I, I'm an old school movie guy as well. I like the new school movies, but I like some of the old school movies. One of my favorite movies is Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Rocky Balboa, where he's got the eye of the tiger. And, you know, I love all of the series. I love when he goes, well, he gets, he gets beaten up by Mr. T. That one was pretty tough. Mr. T put it on him right there. But then he goes against Ivan Drago. I've, and, and remember Ivan Drago, I must break you. 
I mean, that guy was impressive. Big old arms and muscles right there. Big, big Russian guy right there. And Rocky's like this little guy that goes against him and he gets about. Well, you know, of course, you, if you, if you know, Sylvester Stallone doesn't ever get old. I don't know what he's taking. But he's still doing these movies. The 2006 Rocky Balboa was kind of, that one was a powerful one because it's about his son. And his son was struggling with trying to live up to be like his father. And, 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 Ro- and his son kind of rebuked him. He says, you, 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 nobody can be like you. You put too much pressure on me. And, this, and it just goes off on him. And then Rocky responds like this. Rocky says, when you were a little boy, I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody I ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It, it was such a joy every day watching you grow up. I believe that's God's heart towards us. It's such a joy as he watches us grow in the Lord. Rocky says, then the time come for you to be your own man and to take on the world. And you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for someone to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. (laughs) The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And if you know what, you, what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or because of her or because of anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son. You're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't got a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. (laughs) And that's how he ends the speech. The son just walks off, just convicted right there. And yet, those words weren't said to me by my father, but my mom said something very similar to me at one point in my life. See, my, my mother was a single mom, four boys, single mom. And it was incredible seeing how she navigated all the challenges. And I'll never forget, there was a time where we fell on hard times and we were staying in a battered women's shelter. And there are many women there. And sadly, the men that were in that building saw it as a great place to prey on other women. And there are many women that were abused and raped. And my, my, mother, my mother was different. My mother was a fighter. And there was a time where some guys tried something, and my mom, she was going, no, we're going to fight. You're not going to do anything to me. Well, the authorities in the place found out that my mom was kind of having a, quote, unquote, go with the main guy. 
and they blamed her. They took my mother, they took me and all my brothers, and they threw us out. We were homeless. This is the first time that I that actually had a true experience with God because I watched my mom in her hopeless position with four kids walking down the street. Beautiful, sunny day. We're walking down the street. And my mom looked at her kids. And she started to pray. And she looked at she said, we're going to be okay. Michael, you just have faith in God. You can overcome any giant. I, I, don't, I don't know if she really believed it, but she just prayed. We went to a church. They, they saw her condition. They gave us money. We got, we got ourselves an apartment. It was, and I remember as a little bitty boy going, God can overcome anything when you turn to him. It, it, the most challenging of challenge, it doesn't matter. If I just put my faith in God, I can overcome any giant. My mother taught me that. She taught me that. And I'm so grateful for her to this day. She taught me not, not to allow fear to freeze me in my tracks. Fear can freeze you up. That's exactly where God's people were. They were frozen, afraid of Goliath. You guys still with me here? Verse 8 says, am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? I mean, that's what Goliath says. He says, you don't have your own faith. You're just a servant of Saul. You're not a servant of God. You're a servant of man. Choose a man. Have him come down to me. Be able to fight and kill me. will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were kicked. They went down. They took that guy out. They stood up for God. No. That's the book of second opinions. That's right. They were dismayed and they were terrified. You know, it's interesting. Israel chose Saul because he was a head taller. And yet God used the very sin that they did against them. See, God will use the very sin you struggle with against you. He will use that which you put over him to correct you. You put man over, over God. And it, it, it's funny how our, our relationships over God. And it's funny how relationships are the things that actually help you. See, you need God again. God will use that which you put over him because they put a king over God. And now they're using Goliath, someone a head taller than the guy that they chose, or God is using Goliath to correct and teach them they need God. They need God. I can, I can, I always look at this and I, and I, I can picture, I can picture the entire Israelite army right now. I, I mean, I could see the guys talking. I, there had to be an old, any old guys in the church. There had to be an old guy in the church. Oh, I'd go out and fight Goliath if I was a little younger. You know, in my day, oh, you should have seen me. How much faith I, oh, oh, oh. If I was a little younger, I'd go on a mission team. I'd go in the ministry. I'd give my heart again. If I was a little younger, had to be an old guy said that. 
while Goliath is defying the ranks of Israel. Any young guys? Had to be, in a, had to be a young guy. Had to be a young guy in the camp. So, you know, I, I would go out if I had a little bit more experience. I, I would, I would. I, I mean, I would take on Goliath seriously, guys. I would do it if I had more experience. I mean, I haven't been trained. No one's walked with me. No one's, no one's showed me how to do it. I am a mama's boy. There had to be a guy that listened to both those guys. There had to be a guy, and, and, and maybe this guy actually had went out to fight Goliath, got hurt in the process, and was too afraid to go another round. Well, I've, I've fought Goliath before, and I've been hurt. I'll stand here afraid of being hurt again. There had to be someone who maybe, maybe they never had the dream of taking out Goliath, ever. They never heard it. And because they never had the dream, how can I go out? Never, never thought about the dream. We understand our dream is the evangelization of the nations in this generation. If, the, if, if this is the first time you heard it, you got the dream right now. We want to go to every single nation in this generation to evangelize the entire world. Our calling is to evangelize all of Europe. That's why we have the crown of thorns. We are going to Stockholm. We're going to Amsterdam. We're going to Madrid. We're going to Berlin. We're going to Rome, Bucharest, Warsaw, Budapest, Athens, and we're going to a few other places. You say, well, I never had a dream. Now you got it. There was a married brother. Any married brothers? Had to be a married brother in the army. You know, married brothers get in the army too. Had to be a married brother. It was like, bro, bro, you know, I, I can't go out right now. I got the kids. I mean, two of them. I mean, I, you know, bro, so, you know, and my wife, you know, got to take care of my wife. You know, well, I got, you got to, whoo, maybe that's some, somebody else. What's interesting is they were defeated by fear alone. They were defeated by fear. Goliath hadn't even defeated them yet. He hadn't done nothing. They were just defeated. You know, you can actually be defeated by fear alone. I, I played sports, uh, and I, I'll never forget one of the, one of the sad, and this was before I was a Christian guy, so just bear with me. Uh, I remember one time playing against one team. They, they were incredible. Uh, I noticed that the point guard, the guy that I would be defending, he, he was very good, but he seemed like just a good guy, kind of happy. And I, and I kind of saw, I was watching him a little bit, and, and I remember, okay, how can I? And I just went up to him after, and I said, yeah, we're going to beat you up after this game. <laughs> he looked at me, he was like, oh. And then they, they started the game, and I looked at him right in the eye. He just kind of got him going right there. He was petrified the entire game. I looked awesome. I was scoring. I was doing awesome. He was way better than me, faster than me. And I was fast. He was faster than He was good. But guess what? He was playing me afraid. And because he was afraid, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't himself. He wasn't free. He wasn't doing the things in the game that he could do to actually win because he was playing afraid. And yet you can be a disciple that, that's 
defeated by fear alone. And you're playing afraid. Afraid of getting hurt. Afraid, afraid. Just frozen by fear. Defeated by fear alone. I, I'm, I, I love the mothers we have in this church. Uh, one of the moms that, that fires me up, that actually challenges my faith, is Michelle Petit. Michelle Petit. Now, Michelle's name is Petit, but she's got giant faith. She's taken some of Satan's greatest blows. She's overcome the Goliath of, of her own, her very own son, just really not understanding the call of God, not respecting her as a mom, saying things that are hurtful. And let me tell you something. You can hurt your mom by your words. And Michelle just, I never forget Mita, she just wrestled through these things and we'd get together and, and pray and, and, and look at scripture and, and say, sis, you can do it. With God, you can overcome this. You, you, and, and, and she wrestled through that one and she had the next challenge and the next challenge. And, and she just says, I, I just want to be a woman of God. Amen. Well, then what happens? She loses her job. I mean, if there's anything that can throw you, it's when, when you're, you're trying to go to God and he takes away your job. It's like, okay, now I got this Goliath in my life. And so Michelle's response was, okay, I don't have a job. My son's mad at me. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm still a young woman, but I am a little more mature. That husband's not out there. Okay, you know what? I think I'm going to come to staff meeting. I think I'm going to find out what God is showing me through. She comes to staff meetings. She starts hearing the lessons and getting into her Bible. and whatnot. I just want to grow. I just want to be close to God. She comes to the winter workshop. Miraculously, uh, this is in Los Angeles. Miraculously, she, she, she finds a, a brother. Her and Eric off Clint start dating right there. And now she's slated to go on the Swedish mission team right there. See, Michelle didn't get frozen by fear. She turned to God. And you know what? God gave her the desires of her heart. We had time with him last night, and you should have saw Eric. I've never seen him so jumpy and everything. He was just jumpy. And I mean, this guy's a doctor. He's in a well-accomplished man in Sweden. And yet he was just kind of, just kind of giddy. And Michelle, Michelle it was, it, she was just kind of cool. She, was, she had her feet on the little ottoman. She was, just, she was just, God is in control. She doesn't have a worry at all. She's got her God. God has taken care of her life. She's got a humility that will break your heart. If you're struggling with pride, just go talk to that woman. You're struggling with bitterness, just go talk to her. Two seconds, you, you, you'll change. This woman has not allowed fear to take her out and freeze her. Let's keep going. You guys still with me here? Okay. We are in verse... Verse 12, here we go. Now David was the son of an Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war for the firstborn was Eliab. The second was Abinadab. Third was Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in 
Bethlehem. Do you understand something? From Bethlehem to the Valley of Elah, where David actually went. You know how long that was? On a one, one way, it was 10 miles on foot. This is, this is what David did. 10 miles one way. That's a 20-mile uh, round trip on foot. See, I believe there are many Goliaths on the way to Goliath that David overcame. You know, there are many Goliaths in your life on the way to Goliath for you to actually receive and achieve your destiny. It isn't like there's just going to be one Goliath. No, Satan will put several Goliaths in your path to stop you from taking out the greatest one to accomplish your destiny. And this one here is, is, is very simple. This is, there we say, the Goliath of the commute. <laughs> David had, a, he had to commute to the battle. He, had to, he, had to, he couldn't let distance stop him. You know, a lot of people now, they choose the church based on how close it is. I go to this church because by my house, it's what we call bus stop believers. You go to the church that's closest bus stop. Instead of the church that's teaching you to have faith in God and that you can overcome giants. The church that's teaching the truth. Where the preacher is living the truth. Where the preacher isn't too busy to get with you and spend time with you. And you get comments like I get on the campus. What are you doing here on the campus? Who's your preacher? I'm the preacher. No, who's the preacher? I'm the preacher. No, I mean the, real, the guy who leads your church. That's me. Well, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm a, an evangelist. That's what we do. We evangelize. Does your evangelist evangelize? When's the last time you went evangelizing with your evangelist? For all of our brothers out there in the remnant, are you, are you, are you evangelizing with your evangelist? Right here, David had a commute to the battle, and he didn't let it steal his faith. You know, I'm so fired up about our, our brothers and sisters in Amsterdam. Uh, you know, I look at Renee and Anita Vermont. They, they, are, they are in their 50s, and they, they have witnessed, dare we say, the deterioration of the church where it's not preaching the word of God. They don't even believe the church and, and God are connected they teach you can have a relationship with God, and that's separate from your relationship with the church. But we know in Colossians chapter 1, it says he is the image of the invisible Christ, and, and he, firstborn over all creation. By him, things, by him, all things hold together. And he is the image of the church. So Christ is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. You can't separate the head from the body. You cannot say you have a relationship with God, the head, Jesus, but not have a relationship with the body of Christ which is the church. And they, they, they saw that and they saw, and they go, we got to go to where the battle is. And they're in their 50s. And they're only a few weeks away from moving all the way from Amsterdam to here to be with us here in London, England to help us fight Goliaths here. I'm also fired up about another mom in the church, our sister Coral. Four kids. Single mother. She comes from Oxford. The individual that studied the Bible with her lost their faith. I'm praying they come back and be with us. But they lost their faith. They got bitter instead of better. You know what Coral did? She kept coming to church. She, she's continually fighting the battle. She comes all the way from Oxford. I've never met, I've never seen Coral angry, bitter, taken out. Without faith. In fact, she comes up to me usually on Sunday and says, Pastor, you know, we need to keep praying. We need to pray more. 
Just want to put that on your heart. We just need to pray. Prayer chain. And you know, I'm just, the arrows, okay, 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 Coral, stop it, Coral, stop it. Okay, I know we need to pray, we need to pray. What an example. Four kids, Oxford, here early, sold out. These are the kind of moms that you're around. She's going to be leading us in the communion and sharing what the cross means to her. I pray you listen on up. We all may learn a few things, not allowing the commute to steal her faith. Verse 16 says, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, that's 40 days. That means that's 80 threats against God. That's a threat in the morning and a threat at night. And that's Goliath. That's Satan. He threatened you in the morning and at night. Yeah. So now Jesse said to his son David, take an ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for you and your brothers and hurry to the camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. I mean, Jesse wanted some good news sharing. He says, go down there and see how the battle's Then come back with some good news. See, you can tell a faithful disciple because they got good news to share. They can share about how God is helping them overcome Goliaths, how God is overcoming Goliaths at their campus, in their Bible talk, in their very home that they're living in. But when you don't have any good news, you've got to ask yourself, has Goliath defeated you? Verse 19. There with Saul and all the men in Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. No, they're not. They're standing down there. Verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd. You see that there? Look at the heart of God. Look at the heart of David. He left the flock with a shepherd. He didn't leave his sheep with anybody. He left them with a shepherd. Loaded up and set out. And Jesse had, as Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left the things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle line and greeted his brothers. David ran to the battle, not from the battle. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. You know, the Bible just says Goliath shouted his usual defiance. The people of God got used to hearing God being defied. It was just normal. Just, they were used to it. There is no God. I'm an atheist. See, what makes David special is he did not allow the satanic, wicked, ungodly things said about God to just go unnoticed and just to go on. It bothered him. Does it bother you that the world teaches there is no God? If you think about it, if there is no God, that, that's, that means it's worse. That means everything in life that happens has no purpose, and then you die and it's over. That, that makes it worse to go, there is no God. That's what the world is saying nowadays. Have you gotten comfortable with the defiance against the scriptures that the world teaches? Are you comfortable that people can be more committed to a football club than their church and the kingdom of God? Are you concerned that people can sacrifice financially to go on vacation, but when it comes to sacrificing to plant a church, all of a sudden, 
This is Satan just wanting to defy and make church just a meeting that Sunday morning, two hours, hurry up, preacher, get out of there so I can go down to Nando's and get my peri-peri chicken. David, David didn't like it. He didn't like it. He didn't like God's name being defied. It bothered him. It wasn't even about him. He's like, you are defying God. Teaching a different religion? All roads do not lead to heaven. Try that with the tube station. Try that. Get on the Jubilee line over here at Swish Cottage on your way out to Oxford. You'll be lost. Get on, get on the central line over here at Stratford and try to head on up to Hertfordshire. You'll be lost. Get on the northern line, right? Headed south. And you're supposed to go to a different direction. All tube lines don't go to the same direction. How can all gods go to heaven? They don't. It's a defiance against the one God. There's only one God. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one. But, but, but God is looking for individuals that are willing to stand for him. David didn't have anybody back him up and encourage him. No, not even his family. He stood strong because his faith was in God, not in man. The Bible says when David reached the camp, they were shouting the war cry. Amen, bro. Sold out. Preach it. We're going to do it. That's right. Shouting the war cry. It's not enough just to shout the war cry. You got to live the war cry. You got to fight the war cry. It's about action. That's why I'm excited to do, to do, to do this, crown of, this crown of thorns Europe. It's going to be a sacrifice for us, guys. It's going to be a sacrifice. Our 20 times mission contribution, we're not just going to shout the war cry on Sunday. We, we've got to raise the funds to plant that church up there. We've got probably about nine missionaries right now, but they're trying to add more people to that mission team. Our 20 times mission contribution that we're going to be raising, most of that, almost 90% of that is going to go to that mission team. We will keep probably about 10, maybe 12%, and we'll give the breakdown for those of you that are going, how much are we, how much? <laughs> Don't worry about that. You give to God. Don't let those old Goliaths of your old church or whatever come on into your heart. In this church, the money that we, we use the money for people and church plantings. That's what we use it for. That's the reason why we're not buying a building. You see what that does. Look at London. All these church buildings. I, we, we can't even rent one. I, I go to some of the church. But can't we rent this? No, we're doing a party here. Wow. But we've got to plant a church in Sweden. And we've got to not just shout the war cry. I want to ask a question, a serious question. What is your Goliath? What is your giant? What is the giant in your life that you want to defeat? What, what, what is it? There are many giants that are out there. Impurity. That can take you out. You say, what is impurity? Of course, there's the impurity with, with lust, sexual immorality, the lust of the eye. There's that, that impurity. But impurity is not just, the impurity can be bitterness, criticality, cynicism. And in cases where it's not medically prescribed, depression. I'm not saying that people can't be medically depressed. Obviously, we know that. I'm, I'm not saying it. But I'm saying your sin can lead you into depression. Yeah. Called Genesis chapter 4. God came to Cain and says, why are you downcast? Yeah. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Why are you angry? God wasn't mad. Cain was mad because he wasn't doing what was right, and it depressed him. Yeah. 
Don't think everybody who's depressed is depressed because it's a medical. I understand that one. I'm not, I'm not speaking to that. I'm talking about when you don't do what's right and you get depressed. You, you just don't want to do what's right. And you can see, see when some, it, impurity can make you depressed. Doubt, bitterness, past challenges, past things that happened to you. And yet with God, you can overcome those things. You can. Sometimes transition is a Goliath. <laughs> it's a challenge, just a transition. Sometimes pain, just going through emotional suffering or just pain right there. It can be a Goliath. Sometimes raising kids can be a Goliath. Just raising kids. This is where I have a profound respect for one of the mothers in the church, our sister, Teresa. Teresa Scott. She, 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 okay. She, she, she's got two. And, and one of her, her children has special needs. And, and she's there to give those special needs. She's got faith in God. She's taken hit after hit. She's grown with all those hits. And she takes care of those children. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I think, you know, sometimes maybe the kids that have special needs, maybe, they're, maybe they'll have a pure reverence for Christ because they won't have all the issues that we have. And they can just focus in on God. But, but she's an incredible mother in our church. Just an incredible mother that takes care. And, you know, today she just can't. She goes, she, she can't. She's got those kids, and she said, how you doing, Michael? You doing okay? That, that's how mothers do. Just checking on you. Just concerned. That's the kind of mom you got in this church. So appreciate her. Appreciate your faces. What is your Goliath? What is your giant? You know, we've got a young man that's come to be baptized today. He's come to be baptized. But I want to draw attention to some that have been baptized, that have overcome their Goliaths. Uh, I think about when uh, Lauren overcame her Goliath right there. And, and, and Satan was telling her that, hey, she, she should live an alternative lifestyle with another woman. Lauren goes, no, 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 no. I put my faith in God. This is wrong. She became your sister and became a disciple right there. Amen. I think about our, our, our brother Teddy right there, the Eretrian eunuch. <laughs> and, and, and Teddy, Teddy, Teddy wrestled through a few things and, and, and then Teddy became a soul out disciple. He still got that. He still got that joy in his heart, even though Laurie has gone right there and taken off to Sweden. He's still fired up. I, I think about our brother from 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 Lithuania, Richard, who had an atheistic background, had no faith in God. And just a few weeks ago, he got baptized into Christ. He's the smart looking guy right there in the middle. I don't know if you guys are still fired up about, about, about last week, but I, I like the singing baptism that we had last week. Our brother Kari coming up and singing to us before he overcame all of these sins to get baptized into Christ. And then today, you know, it's very special. We, we, we got with this young man and we were showing him scriptures in the Bible. We said, look here in the Bible, it says there's one church. He goes, hmm. So right here, the Bible says you got to become a disciple, and a disciple is a Christian. I know the world teaches there's a difference, but not in the Bible. Jesus never made a Christian. He made disciples, though. Okay. So, and we say, so did your, did your church make you into a disciple? No, they taught me, they taught me biblically. No, that's not what we're asking. 
There are a lot. You can use the Bible to say whatever you want it to say. There are a lot of people that use the Bible. Did they make you into a disciple? He goes, they didn't. Okay. Then that church is not God's church. There's some feelings he had right there. So he kind of went away, but then he came back. He wrestled through. And then we got in there, and then we challenged. We said, Talani, are you willing to crush your dream for God's dream? You know, a lot of times people think the kingdom of God is built on their dreams. The kingdom of God is built on people crushing their dream for God's dream. The woman who could be that medical doctor, but she says, you know, I can save someone physically, but it doesn't save them spiritually. I'm going into the ministry. The guy that says, you know, I could be an attorney, but I want to write, I, I want to, I want to defend the gospel. I want to write books. I want to, I want to go into the ministry. People crushing their dream for God's dream. Talani is a master's student at UCL, top university in the world. And we said, Talani, what if you have to give up UCL for God, for the kingdom, for the church? Would you do it? And Talani, he, you know, he's got these big old beautiful eyes. He just looks at us. I'll do it. <laughs> we go, amen. And he's going to be baptized today. <laughs> Faith in God helps you overcome giants. Number two. Faith has giant vision. Faith has giant vision. You guys still with me? Yeah. Verse 25. So now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? They call him a man. That's what they see. They see him as a man. He comes out to defy Israel. That's what they see. He's defying Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? See, they saw him as a man. David said, no, he's an enemy of God. He's a Philistine. And removes this disgrace from Israel. David doesn't just say, oh, he's defiant. No, he's a, dis he's a disgrace. He's a disgrace. <laughs> Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. David says, God isn't dead. He's a living God. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. You know, I look at this, and these guys were very faithless. Would, would you agree? David, David, David sees the battle different. That's the reason why he overcame. He saw things different. Really, life in a lot of ways is about perspective. It's about your perspective when you go through whatever you go through. It's about your perspective and keeping that perspective focused in on God. David didn't... I mean, he, he just saw the battle different. He had great vision. And when you have faith, you have vision. Do, do you have vision for yourself? You know, I look at the church and I, I go, okay, yep. Germany someday. Yep. Absolutely. Birmingham someday. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. She can go to Manchester. She didn't want to, but she can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's, he's going to Nigeria. He's going. He's going. Got to get him married first, but he's going. He's going. You know, you got to have vision. You got to have vision for your kids. 
Got to have vision for your husband. Got to have vision for your wife. Got to have vision for your ministry. Vision is inspirational. You know, when you look at vision, vision is like a light. A light is attractive. You, you see it, you're drawn to it. David had vision. He saw things totally different. When you have, where there is no vision, the people perish. When your vision, so when you stop, even for yourself, and you, I can't do nothing, and you don't have a dream, man, you can just start to die spiritually. And you can get faithless. And that comes out because you can come up with giant excuses. That's what they did. They had giant excuses for why they couldn't overcome Goliath. And I started writing down some of the, some of the 17 most faithless behaviors and the forces that compel them. There's the energy thief, otherwise known as the, the leech. <laughs> Give me all your faith. That's the energy thief. There's Mr. or Mrs. Self-Righteous. She's always doing awesome. How you doing? Awesome. How's your quiet time? Awesome. How's everything going? Awesome. How's your prayer? Awesome. Anything going on? No, I'm doing awesome. 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 Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're talking to me. Everything. Really? There's the criticizer, the fault finder, Mr. or Mrs. Pessimist. The glass is always half empty. There's the staller or Mr. or Mrs. Indecisive. Want to think about it. There's the bull, the tank. They'll run you over. There's Mr. or Mrs. Know-it-all. They love pouring that old wine into the new wine skin. There's Mr. Zip-lip. Keeps his mouth shut so tight you don't know what he thinks about anything. Don't want to say anything. There's Mr. or Mrs. Agreeable. Yes, mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. But then when they're not there, oh, no. Mm -mm. There's the sniper, otherwise known as the backstabbing sniper. Oh, they love you, but they'll take you out with a shot when you're not around. There's the instigator. This is the person never willing to confront the person that hurt them. They get frozen by fear, and but they instigate. There's the entrapper or Mr. or Mrs. Touchy Touchy. This is the person that feels, that loves feeling offended, so you kind of got to walk on eggshells. You can't say anything around it. They, they, like, they don't want to, they want to overcome They just like feeling offended. There's the one-uppers. I can do it better. I can do it faster. There's, I, actually, we should do it this way. They always one-up you. There's Mr. Last Minute, Johnny Folly. Come rolling in a few minutes late. There's Mr. or Mrs. Excuse Abuse. These guys were all faithless and gave giant excuses. Giant excuses. And I go through this list. I go, golly, I do all of these. <laughs> it's like so humbling. I got to be like David. And give no excuses. And really be focused in. Let's come in for a close, guys. Verse 27. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, uh-oh, look at this one. David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger. Adam and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. See, this is overcoming the Goliath of your loved one saying negative things to you. This is, this is David not fighting the wrong battle. See, if David would have gotten angry and fought the wrong battle against his own brother, he would have never gotten a chance to take out Goliath. 
Satan wants us to fight one another. He doesn't want us to fight atheism. He doesn't want us to fight that, hey, listen, all those false teachings out there, they're not right. He wants us to fight against one another. But David doesn't get ticked off in his flesh. He says in verse 9, 29, he says, now what have I done? Said David, can I even speak? He turned to someone else and he brought up the same matter. Men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You just got baptized last weekend. You can't join a mission team. You can't lead a study. I mean, what are you doing? You got to stay, hang around for a little while and get religious. Says you're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. This is awesome. David saw all the past lions and bears as training for the great Goliath. He allowed the things in his past, in his past to train him to be an incredible man of God. If there's anyone that, that, that inspires me in this way, it's my lovely wife, Michelle. It's my lovely wife, Michelle. She, she, she has gone through a lot. She, she's gone through having a relationship prior, a marriage, that, that, that didn't work out. She went through having a father who was the apple of her eye. And he lost her appreciation and respect because of his sins within the family, abuses that went on. And yet with all of those challenges, I'll never forget the day Michelle got baptized. She got baptized in Christ and it was awesome because at that time my girlfriend was actually studying the Bible with her. I broke up with my girlfriend and wound up dating Michelle, amen, God's awesome. <laughs> but there's a time in my life where I, I started doing terrible. We were singles. I start doing so bad, I, I let Goliath overcome me. I start making giant excuses, start looking at pornography as a Christian. Started lusting, started thinking about non-Christian women and all these things that I'd done. They took me out of leadership. Everybody treated me like I had the plague. People looked at me like, oh, there. They were whispering, oh, there he is right now. I'd come in and everybody would get real quiet right there. It was good for my pride. And I remember Michelle came up to me one day after church, and she looked me in the eye with all sincerity, and she says, I thought me and you were going to do great things for God together. I'll be praying for you. And I walked off. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, you hear something like that, you repent. I went, oh, I thought about it. I think about it to this day. And it was her faith through all these different challenges in her life, even as a disciple, that gives me faith today. She's an incredible mother. I look at my kids. My kids are awesome because they got a great mother who points them to God. 
I appreciate you so much, babe. Love you very much. Happy Mother's Day. We've got to allow our, last, our, our, our past lions and bears to help us take out the Goliaths that are in front of us. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I mean, you got to have your own weapons to fight the devil. You got to have your own conviction. David couldn't go in Saul's armor. He had to have his own armor. See, David learned that he had different weapons. Prayer is a weapon. Forgiveness is a weapon. It started a whole movement. I mean, you look at Martin Luther King. His, his weapon of forgiveness was more detrimental than any baton that could come against him. The fact that he trained everybody that we will forgive. I mean, I think about it, I go, what would, what would we have if we didn't have the, the civil rights movement? And you go, what would happen if we didn't have God's modern day movement? David couldn't use the weapons Saul was used to, the weapons of the world. He needed to use the weapons of God. Prayer is a weapon. Forgiveness is a weapon. The word of God is a weapon. These are our weapons that we use to fight against Goliath. Verse 41, meanwhile, the Philistine, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was only a boy ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Now, if you look up the word dog, it's actually a Hebrew word. A Hebrew word that means male uh, homosexual prostitute. Yeah, that's, that's, if you look up dog, that's what Goliath was saying. You defy my manhood. Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air. The beast of the field, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God, the armies of Israel, whom you defy. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down. Cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth. The whole world will know there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the, st the stone sank into the forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. I mean, I can hear David. I can see David practicing out there with that, that slingshot. And I can hear mom going, you're going to kill someone with that thing one of these days. What are you doing out in the backyard, throwing that in the garden, throwing that? And of course, he killed Goliath with it. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, with a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword, drew it from his scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. See, it's not enough to take out Goliath. You got to cut its head off. David didn't just take it out. He says, okay, I, I, I got I to gotta cut the head off of this thing. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Ah, the enemies of God always lie. Remember they said, if you, you kill Goliath, we'll serve you. Remember that? You kill Goliath, we'll serve you. They see the Goliath, they take off. See, the enemies of God, are always, they always lie to you. They don't tell you the truth. 
Verse 52. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath, to the gate of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shaharim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. That would be awesome right there. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistines, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as surely as, the Lord, as surely as you live, O king, I don't know. King said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him, brought him to Saul. And David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul. David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. I mean, can you imagine? David just comes to, in with the blood just strewn on the floor. He's got the Philistine's head. Just a little guy. I mean, I can see Dylan. Hart. <laughs> I could totally see Dylan Hart come in. Whose son are you? Michael Hart's. <laughs> He's got the head in his hand right there. It's like, oh my goodness. Wow. This passage of scripture is one of my favorites because it really speaks to the underdog. It speaks to the individual that nobody believes in Speaks to an individual that has no support. Speaks to an individual that nobody understands. Speaks to an individual that doesn't have his father in his life. Speaks to an individual that has all odds against him, but overcomes. You know, in some ways, that's, that's what Christians are. We've got the odds against us, but with God, we can overcome. David had his trust in God. That's why he overcame. He had his trust in God. He remembered God's purpose because he had been anointed. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 3. He remembered God's protection. He understood. He says, God is going to protect me. He understood it was God's power that took out the Philistine. And that power gave him boldness. I tell you, a person who's not bold, they do not have the power of God in their life. It gave him boldness. Faithful disciples are bold. Disciples. In conclusion here, faithless people can get frozen by fear. But faithful people, they fail forward. They, 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 may, they may fall down, but they fail forward. This is not the spirit of Saul. He gave up. He quit. And it was David from this particular point on that really becomes the spiritual leader because he had his trust in God. Today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to identify the Goliath in your life. Put your hope, put your trust in God. And when you put your trust in God, you will overcome any giant. In conclusion, a poem that sits next to my heart that really describes Christians as trees, strong trees that can face any battle. The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light that stood out on the open plain, always got its share of rain, never became a forest king but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to gain and farm his patch of soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, never became a manly man but lived and died as he began. Good timber doesn't grow with ease. The stronger wind 
the stronger trees. The further sky, the greater length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and cold, by rain and snow, in trees and men, good timber grows. Where thickest lies the fourth growth, we find the patriarchs of both. And they hold counsel to the stars. Broken branches show our scars. Of many winds, much strife. Faith in God overcomes any Goliath. That's the Christian life. God bless you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one